purpose. I encourage everyone to look around and you see who's not here. See who is here. It's a great crowd today. But look who's not here. I encourage you to call them. Not to chew them out. Not to agitate them. But just say, we missed you. We love you. And we need you. God puts us together. Brother McCune used to tell us all the time, he puts us together like a puzzle. We, every part, we had, to be plant, uh, we had to play our part. Last week we talked about the seed. We have to be that seed. We have to grow where we're planted. And it takes all of us, every part. Thursday morning, I was sleeping real good. And God woke me up. It was 3 a.m. I wouldn't even have an alarm clock, but Shelly has one there. And so I looked up and I seen it was 3 o'clock. And God says, starts talking to me, what he wanted me to talk about. First of all, I thought he'd give me a word for me. I thought, well, this is a word for me, God. And I think I got my phone. I typed it in my notes. I was going to go back to sleep. Thank you, God, for the word. Good night. I leave my TV playing a lot of nights on a Christian radio or a Christian TV. And the word that was just given to my heart, then all of a sudden a song came on the TV and said the same words again. And I was like, no, wait a minute. I don't believe in coincidence. I can't go to sleep yet. God, what are you trying to tell me? And he began to pour into my spirit. And so my fingers went to typing with that bright light of the phone. And I put my notes in there. I know this is what God wants for us today. And we're going to pray that God anoints me right now. Father, God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for revelation. God, your word's anointed. I ask you today to anoint your servant. Lord, hide me behind the shadow of the cross. Let the seed of the word get in us, Father. Let it get in us today, God. Let it move us, Lord, to a place we've never been before. I ask you, Lord, to anoint the ears of this congregation, Lord, and the hearts, the spirits, Lord, who will accept your word today. God, I bind every hindrance that would come against this house today. I bind it in your name, Father. You said and what we bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. Father, we bind it today. Lord, we praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I know today we didn't do a formal prayer request or pray for the sick, and we probably will at the end of the service, just how God leads. But uh, I will say, uh, I went and visited Brother Herschel and Sister Sharon last night, and uh, they they pretty good spirits. And I was able to pray with Brother Herschel and uh, even tell him a joke. And I told him, I said, can I tell you a joke? He said, sure. He said, I want to hear a joke. So I told him a joke, and he finished the punchline. I was like, I want to unplug his IV. <laughs> Finish my joke. No, he was, he was in good spirits, and Sister Sharon too. And so we need to continue to pray for him. And uh, pray for the any other ones. I told myself we're actually getting a little bit healthy. I said I don't. Our list was big and it's it's slimming down a little bit. I know Alana had surgery and she's here today. God bless you for being here today. I know you're in pain and you know God, He can work it through. Whatever we have to walk through, He'll help us walk through. What we don't have to, and what the devil's trying to put on us, we rebuke in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thankful for everyone that's here today. If you just stand, we're going to read in the book of Genesis. Starting in chapter 22, we're going to do a lot of reading here. 
Uh, I'm reading out of the, uh, the New King James Version. Genesis chapter 22 and verse 1. And it happened after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, I am here. And he said, Take now your son, your only one Isaac, whom you love, and go into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will name to you. Verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took his two young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Verse 5. And Abraham said to his young men, you stay here with the ass, and I and the boy will go on to this way and worship and come to you again. Verse 6, And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they, they both went together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they both went together. Verse 9. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood on the, in, on the altar, laid it in order. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called to him from the heavens and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. Verse 12 says, And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad, nor do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only one from me. You can be seated. title of my sermon today is God Wants You. When I was laying in bed at three o'clock in the morning, that ugly face came to my mind. God wants you. It's not your Isaac. It's not your Isaac he wants. He wants me. He wants you. I want to look at this portion of Abraham's life just for a few moments today. You guys that know me know that I don't speak long, I don't preach long. If you don't know me, I'm Drew Foster. I'm the interim pastor here at this church. And uh, we believe God is going to do great things through this church. And I want to welcome, if you're a visitor here today, you're welcome to be here. Worship, get in and get what God wants you to have today. As Abraham heads to sacrifice Isaac... I want us to consider who Isaac was. First of all, let's look at who, who Isaac was. Isaac was a gift. Isaac was a promise. Isaac was Abraham's beloved son. 
How many dads do we have in the room? Raise your hand. You're a dad. You have a son. This is one of the hardest stories I read in the Bible. <laughs> I have three of them. Mean, ornery, and mean. <laughs> but I love them. I love them. I would do anything for them. Anything for them, Brother Mike. You'd do the same. Isaac was Abraham's son. In Genesis chapter 17, we see the story of how God had promised to make Abram the father of many nations, and he changed his name to Abraham, and then God promised him a son, Isaac. Even told him what to name him. How many named their kids and didn't ask God? I did. I just named them all Drew so I wouldn't forget them. <laughs> Abraham believed God, but nothing ever happened. Years went by while Abraham and Sarah got older and older. Eventually, it became apparent that it was impossible for a son to be born to them. They were just too old. They knew God's promises, but they knew it was too old. It was too late. They missed it somehow. They made a mistake. When they reached this point, God kept the promise he gave that Isaac was going to be born. What a joy it was to his parents. They were old enough to be his grandparents. And I'll just tell you right now, I coached my nine-year-old son's baseball team. We're sitting out the ballpark yesterday and playing ball. And one of the girls on the team, one of Shelly's good friends on the team, they're like besties. They're, they're, what's that other? It's not Facebook. No, Facebook. Snapchat. These, these girls Snapchat each other every morning what they're doing, drinking coffee, doing whatever they're doing. They Snapchat each other and tease each other all day long. Her name's Kate. And Kate says, Shelly? She got to think about Shelly's age. She goes, you're old enough to be my mom. <laughs> she is. We're old. If you didn't know, that we have a nine-year-old. And I told him, I said, we got tired of waiting on grandkids, so we had our own. So that's what Cardin is. They were old enough to be Isaac's grandparents, great-grandparents. Laughter had been brought into their lives by God's command. They named their son Isaac, which means laughter. Laughter. The Bible even tells us Abraham laughed when God told him, really? How's this going to happen? Imagine that first night, first time Abraham held his son Isaac in his arms. Maybe it was in the evening. He walked outside and looked around at the stars. God had promised to make Abraham's descendants through the son he was holding as numerous as the stars. I see a very old man holding a very young baby, worshiping an almighty God that's faithful to his word. He keeps his word. Let me ask you today, has God ever given you an Isaac? Has God ever given you a promise? I think each one of us, in a multitude of ways, have been given an Isaac at some, por some part of our lives. I consider an Isaac to be anything that God, in his love, has given to us. It could be a child, but it's not limited to that. Other Isaacs can be your talents, your giftings, your desires. Often the things that you're passionate about are your Isaacs. 
God knows our heart. He knows our intentions. He knows what we value, what means the most in life to us. And you know what? God gives us our Isaacs. Did you know the order that love in our heart should be is, number one, God. Number one, God, he won't accept second place. We could stop right there and work on that all day long. You wonder why we keep going back to the same old thing? God's not number one. I said it real nice, but it was really harsh words. God's not number one when we keep going back to the same thing. It's not that the devil's not going to tempt us because he's going to keep tempting us. He's not going to give up on us. God's got to be number one. And when he's number one, we'll do anything for number one. God's got to be number one. Number two is your spouse if you're married. Number three is your child and so on and so on. We should never get this out of order. Because if God's not first, we're messed up from the beginning. We've got it, we got it out of order already. and It doesn't matter from there. I'll throw this in too. If you're loving your children more than God or your husband or wife, I can tell you why you have marriage problems. It's the truth. Our love must stay in order. God will not accept anything but first place. One of the greatest gifts that God gives us is our children. We would do anything for our child. We would go to any lengths to make sure our child is happy, healthy, prosperous, accepted. How many has ever bought something for school just because all the kids had it? For your kid? I have. It's like, that is the dumbest looking pair of tennis shoes in the world, but you buy them and, and they go walking like this in the school and you're like, yeah, them are great shoes. And I, they're not comfortable, they look terrible, but you buy them because all the kids are wearing them. Abraham and Sarah are no different than you and I. They loved Isaac with all their heart and they would do anything to keep Isaac safe, anything to keep him from harm and anything to keep him going in the direction they felt that he needed to go. They loved Isaac with their whole being. And no matter how much we love our children, we have to realize they're still just a gift from God. And I say just a gift from God. That's what they are. They are a gift from God. God wants us to value, to look to, and to worship the provider, not the provision, not the gift. Again, you understand what I'm saying? We're talking about the order of things. How's our love? If we have our child, our grandchild, anybody, our wife, our, our job, our tractor, our, our car, something before God, we're out of order. God wants us, and he wants us to have him number one. Amen. Worship the provider, not the gift. God gifted you a house. The house didn't gift itself to you. It was his provision. Amen. God gifted you with the job. The job didn't gift you with itself. God give you provision. God gifted you with children. The children didn't gift themselves to you. God provided you with children, and they are a gift from God. Children are inheritance from the Lord. They're a reward from him. That's what Psalms 127 says. We don't need to seek money. We need to seek the provider. We don't need to seek the healing. Drew, that's, that's crazy. We need to seek the healer. The healer does the healing. We don't need to seek peace. We need to seek the Prince of Peace. We don't need to seek after our own way. 
We need to see, seek after the way maker. Proverbs 3 and 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to your own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Because Jesus is the gift. He's the gift. He's the gift. He's the provider. He's the giver. You see, God knows that we need to climb up Mount Moriah ourselves sometimes. Somewhere we don't want to go, something we don't want to do. But we need to give things that mean the most to us over to God. Because God wants our best. He doesn't accept any less. He doesn't. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. God will lay some tests before us. And that's what this was for Abraham. Do we love something more than God? Do we love someone more than God? That's a tough one sometimes. Drew, I love my husband. Drew, I love my wife. Drew, I love my kids. Do we love them more than God? It's a problem. It's a problem. Humans struggle with this problem. God knows everything that's in our heart. He knows what comes between us and him, and we can't hide it. Brother Mike, we can't hide it at all. We get down to pray, he starts revealing things to us, right? I call it conviction. He convicts me. This is what's separating us. You need, to, you need to make this right. We need to have that conviction in our heart. We pray and ask God, God, what's keeping me between, what's between me and you? What's keeping me from being with you now? Getting the fullness of what you want from us. The compartments of our heart that we don't want anyone to know about, God already knows. What, we have, what we've not turned over to God, he already knows about it. What we're holding back that God requires us to give him. What are, what are we holding back that God requires most of us know. We usually struggle with that Isaac. We have trouble giving that to God. What are we hanging on to today from our past? What are the scars that you're hiding from me, the rest of this church, but you can't hide from God? It's holding you back. God already knows. Guess what? He still wants you. He still loves you. He still wants you on that altar. There's good and bad things that we can hold back from God. What is it that's holding us back from giving God our all? What is our Isaac today? That's what I want to get to. What is our Isaac? God wants to know today, do you love me more than anything? Do you want my perfect will in your life? The question is, are you giving all that he requires? Or are you giving God what you want him to have? We saw it earlier, and I mentioned it a few weeks ago, about Genesis 4, where Cain tried to give God what he wanted to give God. It's not what God required. God required something else, but that's not what God required of Cain. God rejected Cain's offering. God requires a sacrifice. God will never accept what we want to give up. God wants what God requires. God requires our all. He requires our everything. He requires our best. He requires our whole life and everything in it. God requires you, me. God wants you on the altar of sacrifice. Knowing God waited 25 years before giving them Isaac, how would you expect Abraham to react when he heard this news? First of all, he laughed. 
Then he had the baby. Now he's got Isaac. Now God's telling him to do something unimaginable. How do you think Abraham reacted? We know from the word. How would we react? Wait a minute, God. There's no way you want me to do this. This was a promise, God. There's, there's no way you want me to lay this on the altar and give this up. But there was no arguing, no bargaining, no resisting, no doubting. Abraham simply obeyed God. Abraham got up early in the morning to obey. That's one of the reasons why you know he was obeying God. He didn't waste any time with it. That's great faith. Most of, most of us would have slept in late that day. I know what I got to do today. I'm sleeping in late. I don't want to face this giant. I don't, I don't want to mess with this. Slept in late, laid in bed, and then argued with God till noon. Then we might get up and start on our, our journey. If God calls you to do something, this is very important. If God calls you to do something, do it immediately or else you may miss your opportunity. Timing with God is crucial. Abraham cut the wood for himself. He didn't leave anything to chance. He took it upon himself. He cut the wood. Sometimes it's easy on the spur of the moment to hastily do something heroic. He knew what he was doing this whole time. I was out on a golf course in Indiana one time, and, and I was walking, which now I'm so old I usually ride. But uh, I was walking this day. I was in the farthest corner of the golf course. Clubhouse was that way. I was back here in this corner. I was teeing off, and I heard this scream. And I look over, and there were some three or four little boys over there playing golf, and one of them hit the other one in the head with a golf club on accident. And uh, they, were, they were best friends, and the one boy went to swing the club. The other one just walked behind him and took an iron just sliced him open. In that moment, I put on my Superman cape, and I run as fast as I could do it. Now, listen, I know you're all looking at me and saying, yeah, right, Drew. Okay, you have to picture me skinny first. Use your imaginations. <laughs> I was skinny then, okay? I run across that golf course, got over to that boy, and he was bleeding. And, and the first thing I'm thinking, I am a long way from any help. I pick him up. Blood's running over me. It's all over him. And I take off running, carrying this boy to the clubhouse. Sometimes heroic moments happen in your life. You never intended to. I would never want to try that again. Now he'd have to carry me. We'd get halfway, and I'd say, you got to get up and carry me now. I'm, I'm wore out. But This wasn't something heroic. Abraham was just being faithful. He was being obedient. Sometimes you have so little time to react, you just react and do what needs to be done, and that's what happened to me that day. But it wasn't that way for Abraham. Abraham had to endure three days of travel to Moriah to keep his faithfulness, faithfulness up. He got up in the morning, was faithful. He cut the wood, he was faithful. got everything going the right direction. For three days now, he's traveling, knowing what he's going to do. And I, I'll tell you this right now. I don't believe for a second that he thought, well, maybe God will change his mind on my way. He knew what he was going to do. But I do believe he knew if I slay my son, God's going to raise him up. He's a promise. God's going to raise him up. Abraham knew why he was traveling, what he was going to do when he got to his destination. Three days of seeing his son for the last time. His voice, his eyes, his features. To observe his precious personality. And knowing that Abraham's own hand would grasp the sacrificial knife. Abraham gathers stones, builds the altar, arranges the wood, binds up his son and places him on the altar. Finally, 
It's not in the scripture. I put it in for me with tears in his eyes. He unsheathes his knife and raises it to plunge it in his son's heart. Like I said earlier, we're no different. He was no different. This is his son. Doing what God's asked you to do can be heartbreaking. It can shake you to your core. I believe Moses was, or excuse me, Abraham was not happy about this, but he knew what he had to do. He knew God would raise him up. Why didn't God stop Abraham after three days of travel or climbing up Moriah? Why did God have to wait until Abraham raised the knife? The answer is easy. God wanted total surrender. Total surrender. God doesn't want our Isaacs. God wants you. Some gut-wrenching happened. Something gut-wrenching happened when Abraham raised the knife. Isaac didn't die on Moriah, but Abraham did. He gave his all that day. He died out to everything that day. He gave his all that day. His base nature and will died that day. His love for the world died that day. At that moment, God stopped him. The test was over. How could Abraham raise that knife? Because his obedience was based in faith. His faith in his God. His faith in his God. Shelly, would you come back? When you give everything to God, your faith can do the talking for you. When you give everything to God. I wish I wasn't a crier. Abraham leaves his servants behind because they probably would have interfered with his obedience. The second half of Genesis 22 and 5 says, And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. You see his faith right there. He knew he's coming back with his son. Did you know praise is what we do? Switching gears a little bit, but it is. Praise is what we do, and worship is what we are. This was an act of worship. This was an act of worship and obedience. Every part of our life and living should be to worship the Lord. Isn't it interesting that the first time the Bible mentions the word worship, it's when a man is about to give his very best. And just for your knowledge, chapter 22, is the first time in the Bible the word love is mentioned. First time in the Bible where worship is mentioned.
someone Isaac loved with all his heart would be on the altar of sacrifice. Abraham's faith in God was so great that he believed that God could raise Isaac even if Isaac's body had burned up in the ashes of the altar. Back in verse 8, Isaac had a question. Where's the lamb? Abraham paused and said, My son God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Later, Abraham in Genesis 22 and 14 said, Abraham called the place, he named the place Jehovah Jireh, meaning the Lord will provide. When we lay it all on the altar, God will provide. Whenever we have an Isaac that we have lifted up, God will eventually ask you to sacrifice him. We cannot have two gods. We can't have anything above God. Your Isaac will often be the thing you trust in dearly, and it's hard to be asked to, to be willingly give up God comes through and asks us to trust him don't trust in the gifts he's the provider he's given them to us I think sometimes we don't understand how tough this was on Abraham he was going to kill everything that God had promised to give him Yet he was still willing to trust God. My question today is, can we do the same thing? Can we give our all to God? Will you allow God to point out the Isaacs in your life to be sacrificed? And better yet, will you obey him when he does? I'm sure there's people that read this story and walk away believing God to be a beast that requires human sacrifice. God never wanted to see Isaac physically sacrificed. He wanted Isaac to be sacrificed in Abraham's heart. Once God knew Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, God stepped in and stopped it. In Abraham's heart, the sacrifice had already been made. The decision had been made. God, you're number one. I'm going to obey you. In verse 13, we see God steps in and provides a ram to be offered up in place of Isaac. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. When things are not working out for us, when things are looking dim for us, if we'll surrender our all, surrender our Isaac, God will step in. He'll be Jehovah Jireh to us. He'll be our provider. God wants us to bring, bring us to a place of sacrifice with our Isaac. Things we have been blessed with and everything he's given us still is not to be above him. God wants us to sacrifice them. If God's called you to sacrifice a promise, that he's given you do it and trust God do it and trust God
there's something wonderful about sacrifice. It makes us trust in God. It makes us trust in God. It makes us to believe in his word. What I want to do today.